This is notes from my little daughter. I am Sol Daniela. I am here with Bill Aguado, uh, a leader, a mentor, a friend, an advocate of artists, and um, he's here to talk about a lot of things, among them the Urban Arts Cooperative. Um, thank you, Bill, once again for being here. My question to you is: you know, after all these years you've been in the Bronx serving the arts. Is this any different from 40 years ago when you started as an arts advocate, this moment for you right now? Well, the, the difference is that funders, policy people, arts leaders, anyone who knew about the arts was, did not believe art, arts culture existed in the Bronx. For that matter, Harlem, Bedford-Stuyvesant, any of the neighborhoods where communities of color uh, had become the dominant population. And coming from uh, I ran alternative schools in the early 70s. I ran community programs. And I decided to take a year off and, and do a job at the Bronx Council on the Arts as Grants Administrator. It was the first year of the, of the decentralization grants program, and my job was to implement it. The other reason why I was brought on is because there was a board issue. The whites on the board were fighting the blacks and Latinos on the board. And they had, it was, it was getting messy. So the arts funders wanted someone to come in and, and be able to reach out to a much broader population and help quell. But the ironic thing about this board strife is that they all lived in Riverdale. So neighbors fighting each other, you know, or live in a concourse when concourse was in a high end or Pelham Parkway. So you had these issues. And so in doing this grants, REIT grants program, I was, we sent out proposals. We requested proposals from the entire Bronx. And not many came from the South Bronx, but, you know, there was still about one third. And I went to visit every one of them, and everyone had a vision. Everyone had a dream. Everyone had a talent. And I'm saying to myself, how could they not see this? How could they claim that we are just such a small entity that arts did not exist, culture did not exist, it or if it did exist, it was at such a low level? I had one group, one one. At one musician come to me, and I remember his first name was Willie. I've, I'm not, I don't recall his last name. He said, and he said, I want to apply for a grant for my music ensemble. And I said, okay, what? Uh, we, we, we are a, bra, a brass ensemble, and all I could think of, my God, that's all noise. And I said, okay. You know, as long as that's this oompa stuff, you know, nothing wrong with oompa stuff. Just in 1978, 79, I want to hear that. And he says, 
we want to, I have arranged the music of Rafael Hernandez to be performed with a brass quintet. Oh my God, what are you crazy? You know, you know, this is someone who's a professional musician, a couple of jazz musicians, a couple of Latin musicians come together. They want to play the music of Rafael Hernandez. And it was all arranged for, it was rearranged for, for the brass. And it was so wonderful. And I said, what are we missing here? How can we not be, con be considered a, 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 a talented community of people? And my advocacy started back then. My advocacy for uh, co community rights became my advocacy for cultural rights, cultural empowerment, cultural justice. Recognize who we are. And it, it went on from the galleries, uh, the Longwood Project that had artist studios and, and the gallery space and, and how, it, how it interfaced with the CEDA Artist Program that was part of the Association of Hispanic Arts where Fred Wilson, I met Fred Wilson, the great uh, African-American artist. Uh, I, I, I read, I, I met Rosalba and, and, and some of the initial members, Luis Melendez. Plagonis, some of the young curators, uh, artists like Manny Vega. These, these are the people who gave me the learning experience. These are the people that validated the truth that we have people in our community that were brilliant and could create. Uh, theater people, choreographers, composers, they were there, and yet no one recognized. And it became a passion for me to recognize not just Latino artists, but all artists, especially artists of color, or artists in general, to make sure they got a decent payday, that there was enough money going out to it. Budgets of over, what's it, 300 million in the city for arts, and how much of it is directly, directly put into the hands of artists? 1%? That's a generous thought, but I doubt it. 10% 10, 10 would be 300, uh, 3 million. Forget it, it's not that much. So it became a passion for me to say, and I know people are sick and tired of my saying it, fun, put money in the hands of art, just like the Cedar program created so many jobs and, and became an incubator for so many creative people. And just like the fellowship program that, that we started, the Bronze Council with, uh, with uh, uh, the Harlem Arts Alliance and Association of Hispanic Arts and Asian American Arts started a program uh, with the Ford Foundation money to support artists of color citywide through a grants process. We believed in it and over a thousand applications. And there we go. We have funders saying, well, you'll never get more than a hundred. If you get a hundred, boy, it's a real success. A hundred, we got a thousand. And... Then the following year, we decided no more paper. So we had to invest money, find money to do it online. We got 800, over 800. And it was, it was just, the quality was phenomenal. And it only, only lasted three years. Uh, it was all funded by the private sector, the city, Department of Cultural Affairs, uh, decided that we weren't eligible. And I went to the first meeting, I asked the pointed question. Then one of my staff went to the second meeting, asked the same question, 
and one of the members of another group that was part of this coalition went to the third meeting, asked the same question all three times, that you're eligible for funding. We submitted the application. You come back saying you're not eligible. What kind of shit is this? And what is the what was the reason? It's because we we weren't really a consortium. Uh, we weren't really a board. Well, you know, I had to I told them part of the issue in in dispensing this money, I demanded that we be the fiscal conduit for the money. They wanted to give it to the New York Foundation for the Arts. Well, they have experience. So you I don't have experience. A Puerto Rican, what do you think? I'm gonna, I'm gonna play the numbers and and run away with it. You know, I'm gonna drink it in a club. Come on, he says we don't do it unless I dispense the money, because people who dispense money have the power, the power to create and the power to make change. The next thing I did was instead of giving the money out and recruiting uh, uh, some of the applications out to people in general throughout the city, I recruited intermediaries, Association of Hispanic Arts, Asian American Arts Alliance, um, Harlem Arts Alliance. They were the faces. They reached out to their constituents. That's how we got a thousand. Not because of the Bronx Council. I divided the money equally so that if we were giving out 300,000, 100,000 went to each. The allocations were decided by a panel, a combined panel. But I didn't want Issues to come up the same way, my artists were better than your artists, so I deserve the money. Because I realized there were issues of class. Those who and uh, who were better off, who went, like mostly the Asian population, went to graduate school, went to conservatories. So they were better prepared for the grantsmanship process. Nothing, not to take anything away from them, the Latinos and African Americans, most of them were self-taught. So they lacked the networks, they lacked the professional mentorship, yet you could see the potential. It was real. So we, so we were able to overcome that and deal with those issues, issues of color, you know, black to white within our communities, within the Latino community, within the black community, and within the Asian community, dark-skinned Asians to light-skinned Asians. All of that played a factor because the panelists were uh, except for two panelists, all were of color, professional leaders in the arts were of color. So all the personal biases were coming out, yet we had to work through it because the end product was us being able to support our community of artists. As I gave the money out to each organization, each and Foco would give them, and then Foco, uh, Association of Hispanic Arts, AHA, uh-huh, would give the check out to the artist in AHA's uh-huh name, Harlem Arts Alliance, in Harlem uh-huh. So what they were building was loyalty, uh, support, a network between each other because once you give out money to your community, to a community of artists, they respond not to me. They respond to the person who signs the check. And to me, that was the most important thing to create, not to empower the Bronx Council, but to empower these three organizations that, whose faces they represented were the reason why we were able to be so successful. And not just in name only, but to make sure they issued the checks. 
And they we all worked together. They did, did joint exhibits, joint performances. We fast forward now to uh, the Urban Arts Cooperative, uh, and a couple of people had suggested that name as, in a way, as a tribute to Urban Artists Initiative. And it was in focal. I'm an unpaid director because when we realized with nonprofit arts organizations with budgets under three hundred thousand, under five hundred thousand, cannot afford to pay a decent salary to an experienced executive director without taking money away from their mission, mandate, taking money away from their commitment of service to the artist or the art form. And you knock that down a couple of, several more notches to Enfoco under 100,000. Uh, this year be a little better. I'm not getting paid. Ron Cavanaugh, Mosaic Magazine, the only black literary journal in this region. He doesn't get paid. Preda, Puerto Rican Institute for Development of the Arts. Lu, uh, Luis Cordero doesn't get paid. Uh, Stephanie Lindquist, this African-American woman for Bronx Art Space, gets paid two days a week. Uh, Moses Ross, he answers, Dominican printmakers, he doesn't get paid. So here we are, five organizations with unpaid directors, except for one who gets paid two days a week, scandalous. All of a sudden, we are serving communities and artists of color directly. We are the face of what this new cultural plan is supposed to be about. They want to reach the underserved. They, they're not going to do it with arts councils. They're, they're too busy trying to keep the nonprofit up, we're doing it anyway. So perhaps ours is a formula that needs to be looked at. And what do we hope to establish, create? We hope to mobilize the artists, to inform the artists that, wait a minute, we don't want to take money away from the arts organizations. I don't want to take money away from the institutions. But I do want a separate allocation that gets dedicated to our community to the artists, especially the what we uh, call folk artists. These folk artists are the cultural bearers, are, are, are keepers of the flame of our community, are important. If you look at Rincon Criollo, keeper of the flame that created uh, flames all over the South Bronx, all over the West Coast, wherever there's a Puerto Rican community, Rincón Criollo's reputation. And again, these are, these are the people we want to serve. These are the people who need to be served. So many of our community of artists have to do two and three jobs just so they can practice their art form. But we want to be able to focus attention on them. We're not, we don't want, we want what we deserve. We want to be to be a catalyst for cultural development, community development. We want to empower the cultures that come out of our community. 
And there are multiple cultures that come out of our community at the same time, whether it's hip-hop, whether it's bomba y plena, whether the community gardens, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, different muralists, uh, spoken word artists, uh, you name it, uh, choreographers, hip-hop dancers, mambo dancers. You know, what do we... It's a, I mean, just a quick aside, people say, Bill, do you salsa? And I do. I always tell people what I tell people. I that that point that told me once. I eat salsa. I dance the mambo. So mm-hmm. what is you know? How do we, anyway? Getting back to Urban Arts Collective uh, Cooperative has only been in existence since July one. You know, we're learning how to work with each other. I don't want to run it. I'm trying to recruit younger people to be part of it. They can be the voices of the future. I don't, people are tired of my voice. They needs new blood. New people have to be there. And we can't lose sight of the one ingredient that everybody tends to forget. All the museums, galleries, symphonies, arts organizations, nonprofit arts are in existence for one reason only because they want to showcase the artists. So why not invest in the artists? Why not begin to be more grassroots oriented and work with organizations, cooperatives like ours? And I make no illusions about this. We will serve North Manhattan, Elvario, Harlem, parts of Harlem, and the South Bronx. We're not serving the city, though our reach is, for some of us is beyond that geographic. But maybe there could be other organizations that come together to do the same purpose, provide a voice. This is democracy, cultural democracy as it should be. Listen to who we are. Next question. <laughs> I agree with you. No, I love it. I, I think it's a beautiful project and definitely needed. And there are, um, I've met with other artists, um, poets that I'm sure you know, they, who are concerned about this new era we're in, this new present moment where uh, the Bronx is growing, expanding, and uh, the artists are not necessarily part of the conversation right. of this new growth, right? Uh, where artists could um, inform and actually feed this right. um, this influx of new people, new spaces. How do we collaborate with these with these new forces? You know, um, and 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 the absence of that continues to then you know give gentrification such a bad name and a bad stigma. There's no, it seems like no one's dancing. It's just imposing. <coughs> That's right. And you know, you have all these community gardens and all these storefront arts places mm-hmm. that are going to be converted into housing yeah. and we're going to be displaced. And well, two points to that is one, this is a, we can be, we can help facilitate that voice in a much broader way. Uh, that we need to be heard, we need to be respected, and we need to have our spaces. And, and the second thing is to sustain 
our cultures, sustain our art form so people don't forget who we are. So uh, two years, three years ago, a colleague of mine said, well, meet me on 110th Street and Frederick Douglass Boulevard. I came up the steps in the D train, got into the street. I said, oh, shit, I got off at the wrong stop. I got off at 96th Street. Look mm. all the, I've seen all these baby carriages, walk, you know. <laughs> right, you're in the upper side. Uh, outside cafes, uh-huh. I go down. And I see 110th Street, nice. I go to the token booth woman. Well, for those of you who don't know what a token is, <laughs> uh, what's going on? And she was hysterical. So I call up my friend, Michael Unthank, who has a, who lives in Hall. Michael, what the hell's going on down here? And he was hysterical. I said, before you know it, they're taking over for the Douglas Boulevard and going up to 125th Street, then beyond that. 145th Street, Convent Avenue. You know, it's, but where do the people go? Where do the artists go? Yeah, that's a really good question. Where's our food? You know, it's, and then you have artists fighting with each other, saying, well, you can't accept money from this person because that person is a real estate developer. Well, you know what? Take the money because you're not going to get the money anyplace else. We need that money for yourself. And if they say, I want you to write a letter of support, that's where you draw the line. But I do not see how we can turn. We, why should we punish ourselves? You know, it's... Consider it an underground movement. You know, you're a spy. You take the money. And I don't, you know, there's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. All I know is that many of our people need to be protected. And the voices need to be heard. The artists need to be heard. And, you know, it's, it's really, uh, I've been in different, you know, for since the late 70s. I used, uh, uh, when I was reevaluating uh, for uh, the Burns Council's grants program before I became director, in the summer I would go up to the rooftops in the South Bronx where um, jazz bands, mambo bands were rehearsing in the rooftop. You know, in the winter they'd be down in the basement or on a Monday or Tuesday night in a restaurant that's and it's closed at 10 o'clock, there's no business, they're in the back. You know, poets working with uh, choreographers trying new things, the, the spaces that they worked in, yeah. to, in order to create. It was, you know, it, we're the most flexible. We, we adapt so that we can continue our momentum, our ability to create. It, it's, there'll, there'll always be a community needs to be heard, their voice is going to scream, ring loud, and those are the voices that we have to continue supporting. I, I can't get over all the changes, yet artists have to continue to create, and they can't stop. And if we can help a little bit, then we've done our work. And if I can pass that legacy of being a pain in the ass to policy people, just say, wait a minute. What about the artists? Don't tell me you support a 501c3 organization. They have to pay rent, they have to pay directors, they have to pay people, and they deserve it because they're quality. But what about us that create? How are you going to support us? And I, I am proposing some sort of intermediary process. Maybe not a lot, maybe a little bit, but something that empowers. 
the moment you transfer money to the hand of an artist, that is a that validates, affirms his position as an artist because you've added value to his life. And no matter how small we give it, they need it, but it's a shame that we only can give it so, so little. First thing I did when I got to Enfoca was initiate a fellowship program and to put it as part of the Nueva Luz magazine and do an exhibit with you all. This, this year, 2017, we gave out $10, $1,000 fellowships citywide, three from Brooklyn, three from Manhattan, three from the Bronx, and one from upstate. We hope to expand that. Uh, 108 submissions for photography of, for artists of color. I want to be able to put raise more money. to. And when they say, Bill, what's your experience? Well, besides creating Brio at the Bronx Council Arts, Urban Arts Initiative, uh, and various other grants programs, and now the fellowship program, I have probably the most experience in than anyone in creating grants programs from scratch. So it can be done. We can reach the right populations. And the job of the co cooperative is to inform people and build a voice, a unified voice to say, we want our share. Okay, so in the uh, coming weeks, we'll, we'll set so I can speak with some of the other members Absolutely. of the cooperative yeah. and build it. Absolutely. I'm with you. Thank you. Uh, thank you.